but we said, you know, who we are as a couple is unlikely. Um, the fact that our lives are, are really pretty dull and normal um, doesn't necessarily occur to most folks. This is Uncommon Good, the podcast where we chat to ordinary people doing uncommon good in service of our common humanity. My name is Paul Reese. Fam, today I've got a delightful one for you. This is Martha Madrigal and Charles Tyson of Full Circle, the podcast, the number one rated queer news commentary podcast on Apple Podcasts today. A content warning, here that is for you. We discuss politics, queer phobia, racism, bullying, suicidality, and there is explicit language in this podcast. So listen and view at your own discretion. We go on to talk about the practical bits of creating a bipartisan, actually diverse and inclusive neighborhood bar. And then the spiritual and emotional process of closing that neighborhood bar during COVID. The development of their number one rated news commentary podcast, how to get along with your neighbor in a post facts era, the continuing challenges of living a hope filled, joyful queer life in full acceptance of how awful the world can be, and how to create a plant based lifestyle you actually enjoy. It was a privilege to call them neighbors, and it continues to be a privilege to call them friends. Please enjoy my chat to Martha and Charles. I was doing a little bit of um, reminiscing and, and nostalgia work. Um, I wonder if it's okay if we can reminisce about the the before times, like the two or three months that we knew each other in Northeast Philadelphia before like everything changed and the long. The before times, yeah. The before times. One of the things that happened, so we we should probably background it. You know, we we wound up buying a bar in Tacony, which is in Northeast Philadelphia. And, you know, Tacony is uh, not known for cool, diverse, artistic spaces, let's say that. Yeah. Those things. Um which is kind of what the, you know, we bought the bar thinking we're, we're just going to keep it a, cor a neighborhood corner bar. And the folks we bought it from uh, made it their mission to tell absolutely everyone who was a regular that we were going to turn it into a gay bar. Yeah. Now, on so many levels, that made no sense because it's just not a working business model. Yeah, to have a neighborhood gay bar. They used to be a thing. They're not anymore and hadn't been for years. It's not working that great for the gay bar. And, and the upsetting, <laughs> yeah, and the upsetting thing was we had spent months um, becoming regular customers ourselves and meeting yeah. the regulars, you know, and find getting the vibe at the bar. And one of the reasons we bought it, so Taconi was... You know, I, I lived there, I, I started working in Tekonian, I, I want to say 1986 mm. or so, and I moved there in 1987. 
And at that point, it was a very, very white neighborhood with a black section. So the area, you know, kind of off Princeton Avenue by State Road, um, you know, ha has been traditionally black, black since, you know, in and around 1918, um, when a lot of folks migrated north to work at Distance All Works, which is the company that built the town, essentially. And um, so, so those folks had been there generationally, but there, you know, it was kind of very divided. But this bar had always been integrated, and the history of the bar was that you know folks from you know black folks and white folks drank together in that bar for decades, and that was actually one of the first things I noticed when we were looking at it. Yeah, how diverse the the room was, and it, and it was, and it was, and that was comfortable. So it was you know very much a neighborhood bar, but it did have a comfortable diversity to it that isn't you know, typical. Um, but anyway, so, so they had said that we lost some customers. We answered an awful lot of questions and it's also a moniker we never shook, um, because there were plenty of people that wouldn't, would not come in and they would refer to us as the gay, gay bar. bar. Yeah. And it was like, yeah. Okay. And the Sunoco is a gay gas station when I go get gas and a plus is a gay convenience store when I like whatever. Um, yeah, so we bought the bar. Uh, we had we had been looking in University City. We had our eye on the bar where we met. It didn't happen. And my business partner said, let's buy a bar where we live. And we did. So, you know, we owned it for five years. And it became, you know, a space that was just reflective of us. So it was a very artistic space. Um, you know, we did... We did First Fridays. We featured, yeah. you know, usually queer artists of color, you know, with visual art. And that uh, ended up being organic, too. Yeah, it did. And, and um, you know, certainly a lot of performing arts. I mean, we had dance. We had, you know, we had everything uh, between our open mic nights and our First Fridays. And, I mean, you know, there was a, always a flurry of activity. You mentioned it on your show, but we were trying to set up yeah. like a, 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 a comedy, like y'all come sort of open mic. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. As the lockdowns uh, were legislated. Right. Yep. Right. So that's what I was referencing that, you know, that's one thing yeah. we had not done, but we yeah. wanted to try. <laughs> because I was excited about it too. There really wasn't, you know, a comedy open mic night anywhere. Uh, that was happening, that was working. I think South Street maybe had a scene. Yeah. Yes. But there weren't a lot of places that, you know, where you could yeah. go and work out material. Yeah, South Street and Helium. like. Um, to... Yeah, so we really were excited about doing that. Um, you know, the, the saga is, you know, we bought a bar that did not have a functional kitchen. It had a kitchen, but it was so far out of yes. code. Uh <laughs> we were not allowed to cook anything. Right. And, you know, we raised the money, we got a grant, you know, we, we renovated the kitchen, we, we got a new range hood and all of that. And nice. we had just finally, um, passed our health inspection yeah. and were approved to get our health license. And we went downtown on, um, March the 13th, Friday yep. of 2020. Yep to finally get our license and legally open our kitchen.
And uh, yeah, it was that Monday, the 16th, when uh, we were shut down. And, you know, that was the end of the bar. Fiscal blue balls. You know, it, it becomes a much longer story <laughs> than that. <laughs> but yeah, but that was the end of the bar. Like, we never got to do it. Yeah. And a couple days in, you know, it was kind of just numbing. And, you know, I looked at Charles and Charles looked at me and I said, the good news is they're not going to shut off the utilities now. Like that was, you know, that was the silver lining. Come on, silver lining. You know? Yeah. Yes. Might as well turn up the heat and and get comfy because we're guaranteed utilities. Right. Through this. And that, like, that was that, you know? Like, and we, we, uh, it was an odd time. It was a really odd time, but. Uh, free that happening, um, you know, it was, we, we really made the most of that space and I'm, I'm proud of it. I'm proud of the fact that, you know, we attracted folks from all over the city and yes, from New Jersey, um, who came to Saltown. It was Saltown. Yes. was the bar. And they said nothing like this exists even in center city. And yeah. it was very much a, a cheers kind of an atmosphere. Uh, my staff was all trained uh, in, in being trans competent. Yeah. And understanding. <laughs> yeah. They, they Well, they just were. I mean, you know, we talked yeah. it through. We talked about it. You know, what do you do? How do you address people? Um, yes. You know, we had a lot of high folks and how are y'all and, 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 and that. Yes. Um, from everyone who, who stepped behind our bar. Yeah. And, you know, which is a very small staff because it was on. Yes. And, um, you know, we had two other bartenders, three other at one time. But, yeah. So it was, it was a chill space. And, you know, and so we did, if anything, we were more of a trans bar than we were a gay bar, per se. Uh, as it turns out. Because, or no, yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> that just happened. And, it you know, and it happened yes. to be a really comfy space. And. One told another, told another, and we had little groups yeah. that used to come in, and and it was a lot of fun, and and you know they kind of jumped into the spirit of things. So yeah. you know, like we had three trans women or four at our Super Bowl party, and a couple of trans guys. Yeah. So it was it was cool. Well, I love yeah. how we like, had sometimes we had ladies coming in that were dressed up for the first time, coming to our space, and I'm like, yeah. yeah. You know, like, you know, because they knew that they could, they knew it. Yeah. yeah. They, they, they would kind of, you know, strengthen numbers and, and come in and see what it, to, you know, come out and have a drink. I was like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You couldn't be weird there. That was, you even if you tried, you, you couldn't be because there, that didn't exist. Yeah. That's so incredibly true. Um, and certainly, um, the bar had had competitors in the neighborhood. Um, I checked them out uh, from time to time, and it's like, oh, this is that sort of bar um, where I have to be careful what I say uh, and how I present, right? Uh, because then maybe that's not even a specific choice that's been made, but that's the culture that's developed with whatever the history of this bar has been. So the level of just the the emotional and the actual psychosomatic unclenching that happens yeah. when you find a safe place like that where it's like, okay, 
I don't have to be in protection mode as much. There's an element of the development of community that I think is certainly rare and uncommon. I would say it's probably unpopular in mm -hmm. in the current media scape and in the current culture because it's not popular to to make safe spaces. And I suspect it's probably because we've been formulated a certain way. We've been we've been polarized so much. I suspect it's at least on the surface level unwanted. Um so I, I just want to say well, like, that's that's definitely I think neighborhood dependent. I mean, it really yeah. does depend on geographically where you are. Um, I think there are more battle lines than there were. Um, but you know, we had a pretty open environment. Yeah. Um, you know, we had dudes who came in after work. You know, union yeah. guys yeah. who came in after work. Yeah, yeah we had that. Uh, yeah. But my measure was this. Um, in the bar business, um, if, you know, single cis women feel comfortable coming into your bar and sitting down and having a drink by themselves, you're doing it right. Um, because, because there are plenty of bars where, you know, women are just not comfortable yeah. unless they're with, uh, friends or a man. Right. Um, yeah. You know, and we had we had a few cis women who would who would come in, you know, for happy hour after work or um, come in, you know, after dinner and and hang in, and they felt comfortable doing so. They knew that it was okay. It was more than okay to do that, and they would be safe. And it just it wasn't uh, a place where they had to worry about their safety. We had a professor yeah. who would come in and yeah. read her papers while she had oh. a drink. Yeah. Yeah. Like that kind of thing was my measure. Um that, you know, this is the atmosphere we want. So, you know, there were there were dudes that weren't happy with it. But you know, oh gee, I upset another cis white man. I'll survive. It must be a day that ends in Y. Yeah, well it's Ties was the neighborhood bar that was kind of around the corner <laughs> that was very much more traditional, you know, men and shots and beers kind of place. Yeah. And I, I the joke was that I would have T-shirts made that said Ties Pub on them and Troy sent me, right? <laughs> you know, and just hand them a T-shirt. Like, you belong there. Right. Go. Yeah. <laughs> There was even like one time where this person refused to stop using the N word. Yeah, that was fun. So I very much went over to my tip jar, grabbed some bills, slammed it in front of them, and said, Go to ties. Your first one's on me. Get out. You know? <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah. We had two words you weren't allowed to say in the bar. And I, for for the life of me, it shouldn't really have created uh, a kerfuffle, but more than but once it did. And you know, <laughs> yeah, one of them was the N word, right. and the other one was uh, faggot. Yeah, and yeah. you know, 
this one old dude who was there all the time. I just, I happened to be, I was either behind the bar or next to him. And, you know, around about the third time I heard him say it, I'm like, that is a word we don't use here. Please don't. And he looked at me and he goes, I always use that word. I don't mean it that way. And I'm like, honey, there's only one way to mean it. And stop using it. And he said, why? And I said, well, because that's often the last word my people hear when your people put our teeth to the curb. Is that a good enough reason for you? And it was. And he went, yeah, I get it. Right. And that was that. I you know, this person was not an outdoorsman enough to where like he'd be regularly talking about large, uh, like un untied bundles of stick. Yeah, no, he was not. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was nice try. And as a matter of fact, you know, probably to the person, we didn't have to throw people out often. No, I mean, yeah. you know, less than five. Sure. But to the person, that was the last word we always heard on the way out. Yep. Yeah. And they leaned into it like they've been they Yeah, like they were saving it all this time. And then I would say, and all, you never have to come back. It was very much, here's the moment. Be well. Because I, mean, I was, I, it was like, yeah, that, that train is never late. And I'm like, oh, there it is. Now stay out. <laughs> you know, as far as the N word goes, my whole thing was, I'm going to have one space on this planet where yeah. I can exist and not hear that word. And damn it, yeah. it's going to be this one. I don't care what you say outside these walls. I'm not telling yeah. you can't say it in life. I'm just saying while you were in these walls, knock it off. And, you know, and, and part of that was because of the, not, I mean, you know, that was you personally, but that was also, it was a diverse bar. Right. And, yes. you know, just because you as a white person or even, um, a Latino person have decided you have some right to the word as long as you don't use the hard R or even if you do, um, that, that doesn't mean it's okay. Yeah. Your hood pass is not good here. Yeah. And, yeah. and they would argue the one, the one dude was that we don't validate that he gave money to <laughs> was like, I'm a Latin king. Do you, you know, pointed to his tattoos. You know what that meant? And Charles said, uh-huh. And you still can't use that word. Right. Yeah. And you don't scare me. Yeah, I, I don't care how much time you spent in prison. Yeah, it's like that. So, like, we, you know, we had fun conversations like that. And otherwise, you know, and we made a point of saying, we can talk about literally anything in this space. Well, and we would. Two you know, words. Right. Two words. That's it. That's all. Somebody just asked me again recently. Um, about even having conversations with Republicans. And I said, I always did, but I had a rule. Yeah. And I said, we can talk about anything you want to talk about as long as we stick to the fact. Yeah. The moment you veer off into conspiracy theories, the moment you want to veer off into this feelings, which are not facts, that are unsubstantiated, we're not going to talk about that. You know, we're not going to yeah. talk about the feeling you have about Hillary's emails. I'm, I'm not interested. Right. You know, like, oh, you lost. The I'm not, I'm not going to have that conversation. Um, you know, I'm not going to have, we're not going to go down like, you know, not that yeah. QAnon was a thing like it is now, but that kind of rabbit hole. 
sure yeah of yeah. you know mudslinging on either side it's like you know let's let's debate the way folks used to um right yeah in my lifetime we're, we're not gonna sit and mudsling and and do that because that's ugly so I, I would talk about anything now if we were having the conversation closer to two and the door happened to lock and we needed to continue the conversation, now you're on my dime. Right. So there there were folks that wished they hadn't said some of what they said. And then I was just reflecting. I remember when bars used to be open until 2 a.m. Right. <laughs> Are any of them? I don't know. I remember when things used to be open until 2 a.m. Yeah, I remember, you know, 24-hour diners. And I don't, Yes, there is still one anywhere. Oh, I just got a, a little tang of mourning for uh, New Harmony. Oh, my God. Uh, New Harmony was, was a, a all... Vegan. Uh, it was vegan. Yeah, it, vegan and kosher Chinese restaurant in Chinatown. And it was her... Like, there was there was a wizard in the kitchen. Because, like, the the chicken... In their like general sauce chicken was not this not the same as the chicken and the lemon chicken, you know. And yeah. everything, the flavors and the textures were all on point and delicious. Yeah. You could order whatever you wanted because you knew that it was vegan. Here, so here's my question for this: um, mm -hmm. If we think about veganism, what sort? What is our what is our social responsibility to help create the spaces where that sort of creativity can happen? There needs to be space for the, the level of opportunity to cultivate for, um, for, for veganism in order to become more accessible, I guess, certainly at least in a financial sense. You know, it's a supply and demand kind of a thing. One of the things, like we we did a series of cooking videos in the early in the pandemic. Oh yes, hunkered vegans. And um <laughs> what I tried to focus on was that it doesn't have to be expensive. In fact, it's cheaper to eat a plant-based diet if you're willing to do some cooking. You know, dried beans are still cheap right even canned beans are yes. still cheap yes. um you know rice and other grains white rice brown rice you know um barley like those things are inexpensive and and when you add you know frozen vegetables when they're on sale which are picked at their peak and you know you really can have a healthy and balanced diet for not a lot of money, you know, and especially as, you know, prices increase for, for meat products, for, you know, uh, for chicken, for eggs, for whatever, um, you know, a bag of flaxseed didn't change much in price. And, you know, that gives me eggs for months and months and months in terms of yeah. an ingredient is, you know, ground flax in the water you know, is an egg for a recipe. Um, so, but in terms of going out into, like I said, you know, the colonial diner made a point of one whole side of their menu is their vegan menu. And people come from Philly. They cross the bridge to go to Woodbury, New Jersey. We do to eat there. 
uh, because they've got a solid vegan menu by a chef who cares. Because our first trip there was a road trip from Philly. Yeah. Um, I think the folks that do try it and it doesn't go well, it's because the quality of what they're doing is not good. You know, um, they, they, they throw a Gardein burger on the menu and, you know, whatever. Call it a day. Call it a day. And then it's like, yeah, well, they, those don't sell. And off the menu they go. It's like, well, okay. Yes, yes. But if you cared about the food, it would be different. I mean, so, you know, we were going to have a plant-based menu and a plant-based kitchen in the bar. And, you know, for, for several reasons. Because, you know, really strict vegans, um, you know, will say, well, they cook it on the same grill as the... You know, so, yes, they do. Uh, don't go out. Don't leave your house. Um, <laughs> but when you don't store those products, when you don't even have them in your kitchen, there is no cross-contamination. Um, and, you know, we had really worked on our menu... And we had done tastings and we had, we had gone to flavors of the Northeast and won. Yeah. You know, best in show with um, the uh, Italian roast pork. We did Italian roast pork and we did our, um, our homemade uh, uh, cashew mozzarella. We did a little um, caprese salad, you know, on a, on a, on a piece of baguette. And, you know, people were blown away that this was, uh, not meat and not dairy. If you're like me, you love it when it's easy and uncomplicated to put good out into the world. And nothing helps you do those things more than a strong cup of coffee. Enter today's sponsor, BVP Coffee. BVP Coffee Company provides single origin coffee and unique blends from all around the world, all produced right here in Philadelphia. Their latest coffee, 1867, is an ode to the rich and illustrious legacies of Howard University and Morehouse College. BVP Coffee donates a dollar from each bag sold to support business students attending historically black colleges and universities. I tried it and loved it, and makes a great iced coffee. BVP Coffee has a special offer for Uncommon Good listeners. Right now, you can go to their website, bvp.coffee, and save 10% on your order by using the code UNCOMMONGOODPOD at checkout. You can even use this code for recurring coffee subscriptions, so you're always saving 10% and never missing a day of delicious coffee. When you use our code, you're supporting coffee farmers, HBCU students, BVP Coffee, and the podcast. That's code UNCOMMONGOODPOD at checkout at bvp.coffee. Now back to the program. I want to pivot a little bit, uh-huh. and I want to talk about y'all's podcast. I want to talk about Full Circle Podcast. I had the privilege mm-hmm. of being on the show. I now have the privilege of having y'all here with us at Uncommon Good. Tell me why why a podcast, why now, and why Full Circle? Well, I had been wanting to do a podcast for ever. And, you know, I wish anyone but me. Well, because initially I wanted to, like, you know, sit and, and talk smack about this movie or that show or, yeah. you know, pop culture or whatever. And Which lot- we do. 
which we do. Right. But the, initially, the kind of stuff I want to talk about wasn't necessarily your your bag. True. So that's all that was. And, you know, um, there were a lot of people that were talking about being interested in doing a podcast with me, but no one was actively doing anything about it right. except me. So right. I was like, I find. And then one day you said, well, first, well, first I said, what am I, Chuck Liver? Um, and then I said, you know, we have, and this, you know, this was true when we owned the bar. Um, we have a lot of really interesting conversations. True. And it, you know, j just by virtue of being us. So, I, you know, I thought about the components of us. And I said, you know, no one else is this. You know, we could not find a similar um, queer podcast. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, maybe the closest is The Read, which is one of the podcasts I, I listen to regularly. You know, I yeah. love them. I hit you to them. Yeah. And, and I was, so, you know, we kind of loosely looked at their format. Um, we do things very differently, but, you know, we looked at the format. We looked at w what has to happen. So, you know, I, I said, I want to talk about the news. You know, um, at that point I was already, you know, involved with Transway each week yeah. and I was really hearing uh, what young trans people were feeling and thinking mm -hmm. and how horrifying the news was. Um, so that had to be a, a component of it. Um, there's always good news also. And I thought it was important to try to approach it with balance. You know, um, in, in my writing, I tend to not you know, I, I will journal through something that I, I looking for either a solution or peace or, or somewhere to go with it. Um, but I generally don't publish unless it comes somewhere, you know what I mean? And that's, that's where the idea of full circle initially came from in part was the idea of taking a story and bringing it, you know, trying to bring everything that we can bring full circle. Right. Yeah. So, so bring it back around, bring it back to, you know, the reality of things like, yes, this is happening in this Southern state and the ACLU is already challenging. Right. Now, yes. Yeah. Texas continues to be nonsensical, but we also have to remember that they tried all this legislation and failed in court. And so they, you know, then they tried this and then they tried this and then they tried this. Yeah. Um, you know, it is it is horrific that we continue to lose young people who are so terrified in the midst of all this. Right. Um, but, you know, I try to bring a perspective. I try to bring, you know, um, some historical perspective as well. Um, but we said, you know, who we are as a couple is unlikely. Um, the fact that our lives are, are really pretty dull and normal um doesn't necessarily occur to most folk yes. the fact that you know we can sit and talk about race and gender 
and gender yeah. and orientation and have really in-depth conversations about those things yeah. and come to each other and say, I just, I just heard this and I don't know what to do with it. What do you think? Right. You know, and you know, that's just the basis of what happens because we're both kind of news junkies and we don't watch the news. We read it, um, yeah. you know, kind of from everywhere. And, and so I said, you know, I think this has value. I think it does. Um, we recorded four or five episodes before we let anyone hear it. <laughs> yeah. Um, trying to work out the details, trying to work out our format and our flow. I'm glad we, we started publishing when we did <laughs> and not before. Yeah. And so, you know, we continue to turn it over in our minds. You know, who are we? Who are we trying to reach? What is it we're trying to do? You know, some something really interesting happened. We're, we're um, I belong to a women's podcast collective, and um, you know, it's it's by invitation, and so you know, it really it meant a lot to me that they did invite me in, um, and they are doing uh, a six-week course called Amplify. And it's podcasting experts coming in twice a week and really drilling down, you know, on the the, the, the nuts and bolts of podcasting. Yeah, like the first week was production or branding. Brand. Next week was production. So my, my question in branding, you know, because so the dude... Uh, who was leading that particular segment said, you know, you, you really should have a very clear picture of who is your t target audience and, you know, what do they like and what do they know? And, and to the point of even perhaps giving them a name and then sort of gearing your podcast to Janet, your person, you know, yeah. she's a white soccer mom da -da -da -da. she lives in the suburbs. <laughs> she has two kids. She has very little time. This is when she listens to her podcast. Like they did all that. So, you know, I, we, no, Charles asked the question. He's like, well, you know, we talk about the news from an, a, a queer perspective. Um, yeah. We know that our, and our, our audience tends to be really smart. Our audience tends to be engaged. Um, but I'm having a hard time sort of putting my finger on who that is. And he went, well, you're a mouthpiece for the LGBTQ community. That is your niche. Yeah. As if we are a monolith. You know, and I said to Charles, that's not helpful information. Um, but it, it tells me a lot about what folks think. You know, like, here we are back in the bar business where people probably pass the podcast and go, ah, that's that gay shit. And it doesn't go any deeper, as if we have no value to you. Where right. I, I want some crossover audience. You know, when we do a pod swap, it's usually yeah. with straight, it's usually with cishet people. And they'll listen and they'll say, inevitably, they'll come back and say, thank you. I, I really learned some stuff. You know, I love the things that you guys talk about and 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 where you go with it. And um, I learned a lot. And, and I'm going to keep listening. And I'm like, oh, thank you. I want that. Right. You know, because part of our target is, you know, I, I want the parents of trans kids to find us. 
not just uh, the Family Research Council. You know, uh, um, it, you know, when their question is, "What do I do next?" I want them to hear our brief. Um, yeah. So, and and as we were mulling over titles, uh, Shane, one of one of our one of our children, yeah, uh, <laughs> Shane said to me just arbitrarily at three in the morning, yeah. I got this message that said, "You know, it just occurred to me that you and Charles are both so individually." Queer. <laughs> you seem to have come all the way back around to a heterosexual relationship. And I find that fascinating. <laughs> I was like, I guess, we, I guess that's right. Right. <laughs> We've come full circle um, it, it, in that spectrum. And then the other aspect of the name was, you know, I've come full circle. I ran like hell to get out of New Jersey when I was 22 years old, I never thought I'd be back here. I certainly never thought I'd be back here in the house where I grew up, um, you know, living on the street where I grew up, within sight of the elementary school where I was tortured. You know, like I never thought that that would happen. Um, and I certainly never thought it would be a good thing. And yet it is. It's, it's been healing in so many ways. Um, it's been, you know, I think it's fed my creativity as well as yours, yeah. you know, in ways we didn't expect. And, you know, it's just at this point in our lives, having this, this level of peace and quiet, um, it just feels like this is what we need for this chapter. Yeah. Um, and you know, the other thing was, you know, we had this big dream. And we worked really hard and, you know, we had the bar for five years and it was five years of pushing a boulder up a hill. And it was five years of dealing with just so many issues. And sometimes so the boulder was on fire, you know, and, and part of it was a function of location. Part of it was a, just, you know, a breakdown in communication with my business partner. Um, and part of it, was, you know, we just never had the money to do what we wanted to do. So everything was a struggle. And it was like, what now? You know, where can we go? What can we do? What? Yeah. How do we feed ourselves creatively? Um, and so, you know, it was March 1st of last year. We're coming up on our one year anniversary. Yeah, March 1st. Uh, I think we just released episode 61. Yeah. Um, you know, and a lot of cool things have happened. We've had access to interviews that came to us from nowhere. We interviewed Bruce Valanche. Yeah. You know, was one of our first interviews. And it was like, this guy came out of the blue. And so, would you like to talk to my friend? You know, I'm a publicist. And he, you know, he enjoys doing interviews with queer podcasts and i was like we were like uh yeah right yeah <laughs> yes i know who this man is and i was like bruce Valange is a very specific name so i don't yeah i think this is real babe <laughs> this this is great and and you know if so, it was been like cardi b i would be like oh, yeah, right. <laughs> she what <laughs> yeah so you know our audience is really dedicated it's yeah. still i would still say small um you know but growing, you know, yeah, it's global and global. 
and you know we see ourselves in places where um you know it makes my heart happy yeah. uh because queer folks are, are certainly not celebrated in a lot of parts of the world every time i see that we've got people in texas and florida listening i'm like mm-hmm, good good yeah, yeah good because we at the end of the day you know we do try to offer some hope we do try to offer some some you know uh balance to what's out there uh we're charting as an arts podcast as well which okay yeah (laughs) you know arts and news commentary okay uh and google thinks we're a comedy podcast i guess i'm fine with that too right um yeah i i happen to google us for whatever reason in the google listings as comedy podcast i mean well we are funny (laughs) yeah i but it's you know, we really, it, it drills down to what is specifically interesting to us. We comb a lot of news sources all week long, you know, to bring together the things that we feel like we can talk about with some authority or some, you know, uh, whatever. Wherewithal. Some wherewithal. And, um, you know, so there's a lot we don't put in. Um, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes we decide in the moment, we're like, you know what? I don't feel like saying this person's name anymore. Yeah, with George Santos. It's like, okay, we beat that to death. One of the things I struggle with is, um, is the, you know, criticizing other queer people. I, we try to be really careful about how we do that. Right. But I won't refuse to do it yeah. because, yes. you know, I want my community to be, be and do better. Yeah, I want more cohesion. I want yeah. us to get back to understanding that there's a reason we need to stand together. Um, I, you know, because we're an intersectional relationship, um, we talk yeah. a lot about how important that is, um, and that we're not talking about identity politics. We're talking about identity, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we're talking about humanity, and that's one of the things we will never debate. So. And we love working together. I mean, you know, one of the things we found out is we can stand each other 12 hours a day. You know, we did in the bar and we certainly lived through the pandemic. No one's dead. What what did you say? I said, thank goodness. Thank goodness. Again, we're still together. (laughs) Still together, still engaged. And uh, uh, there are about. There are a couple of things that I want to emphasize from that. First and foremost. Thank you. Um, again, um, nail shaving. Let's let's go back. Um, yeah. Um, uh, number one, nail shade. Uh, number two, future matrimonial bliss. Number three, um, thanks for fitting another mostly queer podcast into into your swaps. Um, in in Absolutely. all of the uh, um, all all of the cishet folks. I hope you're okay and you're still listening. <laughs> you know, my uh, thing is, I want you listening. I am never going to cater to you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not, if yeah. I'm going to, if I'm going to walk tender feelings along, they won't be yours. Trust. Yes. Yeah. 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 Heart. Um, meaning this is at community at large. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not doing that, but I, I, I actually do want you to listen and you'll, you know, and you will hear me give you a fair shake. You will, yes. you will hear me. I talk a lot about the fact that right here where I grew up, this was a Republican town. 
very Republican town, but they weren't crazy. Let's define the term crazy a little bit more. Um, when we when we say crazy is what we mean, um, I, I wonder I wonder if what we mean is politically radicalized. Is that fair to say? Um, Am I getting closer? That's one way to put it. Politically radicalized. Um, what I mean, and I I know that that's a problematic word that I probably need to replace i do know that um but i mean the marjorie taylor greens how is this person still in congress how is a person who is a representative of you know of the state of georgia in the united states congress given so much light and air to lie to lie about my community to lie about me that's what i'm talking about um the Tucker Carlson's, the 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 Lauren Boberts, the 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 Matt Gateses, like yeah. th- these are not honorable people. You know, these are not people who are dedicated to truth. You know, I I, I don't it, believe they believe themselves. So you know, I give my little homespun analogy. When I was a kid, Republicans and Democrats looked up at the sky and said, "That's pollution." we probably shouldn't be breathing it and we should do something about it. And Richard Nixon, of all people, signed both the Clean Air Act and the Clean Water Act. Yeah, yeah. Now, we got to those places. So, you know, politics, as I understood it as a child, was, you know, yeah, the Republicans worried about business. They worried about making money. They worried about, you know, people losing jobs, et cetera. Democrats worried about the environment and also did worry about jobs and, 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 but, you know, worried more about humanity, whatever, however you want to put them in loose boxes, but you didn't have one party looking up at the sky and saying, that's not pollution. That's a new kind of cloud. And the, the 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 lib snowflakes are lying to you, right. and then you have a whole contingent of people that believe that. That is what I mean by crazy. Yeah. You cannot have any conversation with anyone, you know, when you can't agree on basic facts. Right. Every time I hear Republicans say the word woke, I get a deep itch in a dark place. Right. As if it's something bad. When did we become so anti-intellectual? Thank you. I mean, you know, I was raised in a world where parents, and I am a parent of two grown children, you wanted your children to be educated. You wanted them to have the best education possible because you wanted them to be good and productive citizens and add something of value to this world. So you wanted them to be well-rounded, critical thinkers. That's what I thought everybody wanted. Right. You know? What, regardless of your political affiliation, who wants stupid? But they're celebrating it. Right. You know, if you want to talk about, new, you know, the nuances of things, that's fine. But, you know, if you aren't trans, I want to know why you have a fucking opinion about me anyway. Keep it pushing. Go live your life. Go be happy. Because I will never be able to adequately explain what I know about myself. You either take that and respect it at face value or you don't. Yes. But that doesn't give you the right to an opinion about my health care. 
unless you want me to have one about yours. That part. We, you know, the trans community right now is the political football. You know, I yeah. want young people younger than me to understand that in 2004, you could argue we lost a presidential election and Bush got a second term really on the back of gay marriage and that that boogeyman of gay marriage. But by 2015, it was codified into law. That's how the pendulum swings. And, you know, they'll leave us alone once it's no longer profitable. You just got to get to that point. It'll happen. It it will happen at some yeah. point. But, we'll, you know, whether there's a pink triangle somewhere along the line, I'm still not sure. Well, because you can't have a reasonable discussion with people who refuse to act as adults. You know, you, you right. have an entire political party that doesn't believe in government. They use it to their own ends. They use it for power and money and not to serve the public. And I believe in public service as in serving the public. So that's what I mean by crazy. I get it. There is, there's something that I want to draw us to. Um, you have just created the inaugural entry in the Uncommon Good uh, book of quotes. And that is, regardless of politics, who wants to believe stupid? <laughs> well. <laughs> that's, a, that's a very good one. Um, that, that one I'm, I'm going to write down. There may be others that are, that are grandfathered in, um, but, but Martha Madrigal has the, uh, the inaugural live um, okay. the inaugural live entry uh, I like that one a lot um, and I think that's probably the I think that's probably the title of your um, 92 why talk um, regardless of politics who wants to believe stupid hey yeah I. it's the thing I, I cannot understand I cannot understand it and I know a lot of these Republicans are very smart people. A lot of the ones in power are well-educated. Yes. You know, this whole thing about CRT came out of a quote-unquote think tank. Yeah. And that dude irony is breaking his arm, patting himself on the back, because he thinks he really did something brilliant. You know, he's got all these people frothing and worked up over CRT. And, you know, and there, there's your backlash to Black Lives Matter. There's your backlash yep. to how frightened they were in 2020 as people took to the streets day after day after day. Uh, yeah, now we're, we're protesting CRT and we're trying to take history out of schools. Right. Because apparently, if you don't teach it, no one will learn it. And if they don't learn it, 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 no, it no longer exists. Right. Or something. Well, or like I always like to say, we don't want to teach um, about racism in America because, you know, a kid might see their grandma in the history book yelling at a little black girl going to school. Yeah, exactly. Because just because those yeah. pictures are in black and white doesn't mean that it's ancient history. These people are still alive. Yeah, a lot of those people yeah. are still yeah. alive. Hmm. So I want to narrow our focus a little bit. What is our responsibility as, as, as queer folks, as, um, well, Charles, as folks of color, 
um, Martha, as as non cisgender folks, what is our role in the de radicalization and the de um, polarization of our neighborhood? Our first responsibility is the example we set. Right. Yeah. Our first example, you know, I, I believe that our first responsibility is the life that we lead and the way that we personally move in this world with integrity, with authenticity, and hopefully with kindness and respect. You know, it's not enough to say, I'm going to match energy. That's a thing I don't like to hear. Because that means if you're having a really bad day and you come at me and kind of take it out on me and snap at me, I get to snap back at you. Yeah. I'm just matching your energy. Yeah. Where if I am far more mindful of what's coming out of me, um, that's how you change people's days. That's how you change a conversation. That's how you de-escalate a situation. And I do think we need to live unapologetically. I think it's an ethos um, that, you know, if you believe in what you're saying and you believe in what you're doing and you're you're trying to live toward truth and you're you're trying with all everything within you to live toward peace, it doesn't mean you might not be it doesn't mean you won't be met with violence. You might be. It doesn't mean you know, unto death, like who knows? Cause it's because the world is as it is. I have seen so many folks who are, are kind of cowering right now. And I understand why I really do. Yeah. Um, but I'm not going back into a closet for anyone. That part. I, I can't do that. That betrays my soul. You know, I didn't, come this far to don't only come, come this far, far like yeah. yeah we can we can do this all day but yes. i can't do that for you i'll answer your questions i'll answer your respectful questions yeah all day long you know we live to educate you know we we've both you know are teachers in in one way or another and have taught and 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 care about that very much as scary a time as it is to be alive it's also one of the best times in history to be alive. Right. Because yeah. you have such access to technology. Because we the ways to understand one another, they've never been easier. You know? Um, and that, that I, I guess that's the other thing that really gets under my skin. You have to intend stupidity. You have right. to intentionally be dumb. It takes more work to be stupid. Right. Google is your friend, too. It lives in your pocket. And real information is out there right next to the Breitbarts and the Newsmaxes and the, you know, the Family Research Council. It's it's there. It's findable. It's knowable. Unless you intend not to. The question I think that I'm more terrified about, and, and I, I wonder if this is where we're leaning into when we get to all of these people who are as well-educated as you've identified, is what do we do with the people who have sat with all of that knowledge and who have sat with all of that and intentionally choose the opposite. I still don't know. Yeah. I still, I, I will never understand, you know, politically people who vote against their own best interest. Mm -hmm. 
yeah, I, I want a different world. I do. But, you know, the world abhors a vacuum, and I really worry about, you know, this notion of let's just tear it down. You know, that to me is a, is a level of cynicism I can't afford. I can't afford that. That is a luxurious place to be, to say, let's just tear it all down and fuck it because it's not working. Well, okay, but what's your plan? Right, and then what? Yes. What's your plan? And then what? That Right, and then what? You know, three words. Every activist I know has heard out of my mouth more than once. And then what? Where are we going? Tell me where we're going. Right. Otherwise, you're just mad. Um, yeah, we we I brought up an Ann Richards quote. In fact, it's we, we titled our last episode with it. Um, but I brought it up uh, in the last episode, and and the quote was, "If you're not at the table, you're on, on the, the menu." menu. And that's always been my perspective, you know. Good, right? <laughs> it's it's a great quote, um, and I, I think maybe the original quote was, "If you are not at the table, you are probably on the menu," something like that. But yeah. whatever. Either way, um, same right, same idea. And I said that about the New York Times, like, um, you know, apparently Jennifer Finney Boy Boylan, like they're the one trans writer, or or several of them are no longer writing there, and it's like. If we're not at the table, if we're not in that conversation, it's not a good, you know, how can it be? Yeah. And I lived through a time when you couldn't talk about who you were in school, at home, at church, in the playground. It wasn't possible. It was a world where we, you know, and that's what some folks would have us go back to. And that is my problem in politics and you know with this in civil discourse is they're bullies yeah. they are no different and no better than the the kid bullies i grew up with they don't have an argument they don't have something good to offer they don't have something better to put on the table so they'll they'll hit you right to make you stop talking and that's what they're trying to do to our community is hit us, scare us back into the closet, scare us, take away the medicine. So if we die, if we die, we die because to them, we're not even human. Right. You know, when they look at our suicide statistics, they say, you know, it's some inherent flaw with us. It, you know, it's like, nope, that's not how this is working. That's not how this works. And we have data about that. We understand that. We understand that kids that are affirmed. Uh, and have adults in their lives who listen to them have a much, much higher and chance of to right. survive and live to an old age. The act of survival is an act of resistance. That part. It absolutely is. You know, our our existence is an act of resistance. Yeah. Just, just the fact that we're here, just the fact that we fly the flags we fly, Every day. Yeah. That was my waking thought the the morning after uh, Orange Voldemort was elected. I said, <laughs> my very existence is an act of resistance. So be it. And then I got up and got out of bed. Charles, I just want to acknowledge um, that you also have made the Uncommon Book of Quotes, Uncommon Good Book of Quotes, um, 
our very existence is an act of resistance. So uh, thank you, thank you both for being the inaugural um, real time um, contributors. Sure. To quote the immortal bard Redman, I'll be that. <laughs> we have just one question left um, as as we're wrapping up today. The same question that we ask everybody as as we're closing up. You might have even answered at least a little bit already, and that is, okay. what do you want the world to look like when you're done with it? Jeez. More compassion, less fear of what is not you. Um, smarter, happier, kinder. It's already going to be browner and queer. Like, that's going to happen. Period. That's happening. Right. And that scares the hell out of a lot of people. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, just people getting over themselves and realizing that, you know, you're actually not as special as you've been led to believe you are. Yeah. So it's okay if something that doesn't look like you share space with you because there's room for everyone. I certainly echo that. Um, I'd like to see us learn from history. I really, really would. Um, gotta learn it first. Um, yeah. Yeah, I wish more people understood how quickly this all ends. I want this world and this, you know, and this country to live up to its own promise. That part. Um, you know, when people say they're worried about kids, I want to see them actually worry about kids. You know, I, 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 I want us to be who we pretend to be. Um, I'd love to see that. And, you know, I think if I move the needle at all toward clarity, if I move it at all toward compassion, if I move it at all um, toward humanity, um, I will have lived well. Indeed. That's all I guess. And Martha, Martha and Charles of Full Circle the Podcast, thank you so much for your time. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you to my guests, Martha and Charles of Full Circle, the podcast. And yep, you can find out everything about Full Circle, the podcast, and subscribe to their weekly broadcast here at their link tree in the episode description, Full Circle, the pod. Thank you so much for tuning in to Uncommon Good with Polly Reese. This program is produced in Southwest Philadelphia in the unceded neighborhood of the Black Bottom community and on the ancestral land of the Lenape Nation who remain here in the era of the Fourth Crow and fight for official recognition by the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania to this day. You can find out more about the Lenape Nation of Pennsylvania and how you can support the revitalization of their culture by going to lenape-nation.org. Our associate producers are Willa Jaffe and Kia Watkins. Thank you for their support. If you enjoyed listening to the show, please support us by leaving us a five-star review and a comment and subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. It really helps people find us. Uncommon Good is also available on YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram at UncommonGoodPod. Follow us there for closed caption video content and more goodies. We love questions and feedback. You can send us a DM on social media or an email at uncommongoodpod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, wishing you every uncommon good to do your uncommon good to be 
the uncommon good.